0: Well, what are we supposed to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? It's a biblical question. What are we to say about these things? I don't know about you but I was humbled yesterday and you'll have to excuse me I've, I've been trying to hold myself together <laughs> and I don't and I, as your pastor I, I know that my role is to try to be a rock in the middle of things but I'm going I'm to try to hold it together here I was humbled yesterday and for me, humility is understanding my great need for redemption in the face of a God who is so much larger than I am, so much greater than I am, so much more loving than I am, who, who, has, who has redeemed the world, who has redeemed the world, but, but created us in his likeness and yet knows how deep our brokenness goes. How deep our brokenness goes. And so, as I was getting caught up in my own emotions and in my own fears and and in my own sadness, in my own um, guilt about the ways that maybe even I have perpetuated hate, misunderstanding, um, maybe where I've been sort of ambivalent about issues of the day or felt like, you know, I, I, I didn't want to wade in, I didn't, I didn't want to be a person who was going to be the focus of anger or of hurt. I began, as I think all of us followers of Jesus are called to do, I began to, to ruminate in my mind on the Scriptures, What does God say about these things? Not just what are we supposed to say about these things, but 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 what what is what does God say about these things? Because remember, uh, the the Old Testament, the Old Testament, most of it was written when the Israelites were refugees underneath an occupying power. They were in exile from their homeland. And so you can imagine what the narrative could have been. It could have been one of hate, of anger against the folks who were over them. And there is some of that in here. In the scripture there is some of that where, where the prophets you know, are saying that Babylon will fall, that God will, will judge them harshly and God did, or at least as we look back. But I, but I started to go back and I started to think about what, what story were these people who had every right, every right to foment hate for all people except for their own. What did God, what did, if we believe this, what did the Holy Spirit inspire in them to write? To capture as the essence. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Let us have, let them have dominion or stewardship over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the wild animals, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, fill the earth, have stewardship over it, dominion over it, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Let us make humankind, let us make mankind, let us make humanity according to our likeness, God said. Not let us make the brown-skinned people who are under occupation in Babylon, who have dark hair, and who live this way, be made in God's image. They recorded, let us make humankind. All, the word is, is every one in God's image. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's got to be inspired. Because if I were writing that, I would want it to benefit me. You know, let the white guy who grew up on a dairy farm in Nebraska be made in God's image. Right. Let it be me who's been given favor in God's name. Let it let it be me. Let it be the people who look like me, who act like me, who grew up like me. Because that's I'm just speaking for myself again. I mean, that's oftentimes the way I act is that, you know, I, well, I've got it all figured out. I'm faking it almost all the time, but that, I think I've got it all figured out. But what I think is interesting is then, is then they, they write that and then and then whoever the writers are, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as we as we so as we so much believe, and then um and then it goes from Genesis one, you know, to, to one and two to Genesis three, and we know what the story is there. It's about our brokenness. It's about how we, we would rather play God. We would rather decide and judge and make division. And so it's, it, these Israelites, inspired by the Holy Spirit, like they, they, give, us, they give us the complete picture of us. Made in God's image. Capable of so much. Jesus even said, you will do greater things than me. Us. You will do greater things than me. Humans. And in the, in the psalm, it says, um, God, what are mortals that, that, that you made us just a little lower than the angels? What is it that you gave us, this dominion and stewardship? I mean, we have this high, we have this high understanding of, of, of the capability of humanity and its beauty and its grace and what we are capable of. But there's also this deep understanding, this deep understanding of our brokenness and our need, our desperate need for redemption. of the ways in which all of us have a propensity to make it about us, to benefit us, and to disregard what is going on out in society, out around us. And so the story moves on from there as the Israelites capture it and they and 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 they and they they begin to talk about their forefather Abraham and about how he had to leave his homeland he had to leave the people of his birth and he was called to go out to become a great nation but not just for that nation not to the exclusion of other people I mean, that's that's what's so interesting. If you if you let the Bible interpret the Bible. And you don't just pull scriptures out, you let the Bible interpret the Bible. This is the story that you hear over and over and over again, is that we have been the the people who follow God have been set apart. We've been made holy. That's what that means. Holy means set apart. We've been set apart, not for ourselves. Not to pass judgment on others, but to call others into a relationship with God. But to, to, be a, to be a beacon of light and life and hope and invitation to others who are deeply in need of redemption, just like we are. Just like we are. Abraham's call was to become a great nation. A holy nation, the nation of the covenant, not just for them but for all people, that other nations might be called to God, that other nations might be called to God, but yet because of our deep need for redemption our, our the, the, the deepness of our brokenness uh, we often take that covenant status that, that that we have been called into the into the covenant of God, and we and we are, and, and, and there's there can be a lot of this, you know, sort of patting ourselves on the back and look at me, aren't I great? I'm in, and you're out. Now maybe that's not you, but I, you know you hear this. I mean, in, in Christian churches all today, all around this country, that there are going to be messages of that. Isn't it great that we're in the covenant and, 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 you know, and we need to go save those souls because they're, con- they're condemned to hell and some people will even say they're condemned to hell and they, there's no hope for their redemption. That's not what the scripture says. Scripture says all are in need of redemption and that there is hope for all people to receive that redemption in Jesus Christ. And that in the cross, in the resurrection, that that it has already come to all people. That redemption, that, 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 that healing, that wholeness has already come to all people and it just hasn't come in its fullness yet in the way that we can see it in the earth, in our people. As you go through the scripture then and you hear the prophets, the prophets are so often um, calling upon the people of the covenant to get their act together. <laughs> it's like, you have been set apart. You have been given the law. You have been given this great opportunity and you are wasting it on idols. You are wasting it on, on building up your own kingdom. Biblical scholars, was it, was it, was it, uh, was it David who, who did a census of, 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 the, of the people? Do you remember? I think it was David who who did a census of the people and 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 God, God judged David because of that, because David was making a census of the people to see how big of an army he could raise. He wasn't supposed to do that. Because that's not what they had been set apart for. They had been set apart to be a light to the nations. To bring people into the covenant. To show them the God that had created them in God's likeness, And the prophets are the ones who are, you know, most of the time, I mean, 99% of the time, they are talking to their people, saying it is time to return to God. And And the word in the Greek is metanoia, to make a turnaround. To make a 180 degree turn. To turn from your sin, in Greek, hemartia, which means missing the mark. To make a turn from your sin, hemartia, metanoia, to turn toward God. Or as we in the Reformed Church like say, we might say, to be turned toward God by the Holy Spirit. Because so often our, our brokenness is so deep that we, you know, we turn toward God when it's convenient for us. Speaking for myself, I'll say... I often turn toward God when... And so the question has been, what, what are we to say? What are we to do? And, and one of the prophets, Micah, and you've heard this very famously, right? He has told you, O oh mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? And what Micah's talking about is they're saying, well, am I supposed to bring... Am I supposed to, supposed to sacrifice my firstborn child? Am I supposed to bring hundreds of rams Am I supposed to bring all kinds of goats and sheep and to, to slaughter, to sacrifice? Am I supposed to bring all of my grain to give to the Lord? He says, no. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? Amen. Yesterday I felt I was humbled, I told you. And that humility is understanding what, what it what my relationship is with God the God is the one who has created us who has given us all things who has with his son set us free redeemed us and healed us that we might be a light to the nations that we might do greater things than he did as we walk through the scripture and we hear those prophets talking to us, and and then and then we have the great greatest prophet that we ever had, the the one who we call the Son of God, the one who we call our Savior, Jesus Christ. When 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 he comes in in the Gospel of John, um, it people are saying, well, why why did Jesus come? What, what was what was all this about? And and John is probably written, I don't know, eighty years. 60, 70 years maybe after Jesus' death and, and his resurrection. And, and so, and so here, here's what's developed, and you know this very famously, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have everlasting life, the life of the age to come. We, well, that's another discussion. indeed, indeed, indeed. Because people stop there usually, and I always love to go on here. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. And this is the judgment. That the light is coming to the world and people loved darkness. Rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but so that it might be saved through Him. Jesus was killed because he was politically inconvenient. <laughs> the powers that be did not want an uprising where people believed that God was for them. Jesus was spreading a message And even among his own people, he was not accepted because he was spreading a message that those who had been told they were outside of the covenant were actually invited in. Sinners, it says. Which means those who are supposedly outside of the covenant. Tax collectors, because you weren't supposed to handle money. Lepers, because they were ritually unclean. Prostitutes. One of the most amazing stories in the Bible that gets often gets overlooked is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. You know this story. So an Ethiopian eunuch, and, and I think you probably all know what a eunuch is, but it's a male who has been made like a steer, as we would say back in the in the country. It's not a it's not a pretty picture. But they were, they were done that way, it so was made that way so that they so that they, they would ha- so that supposedly so they would have no temptation so that they could serve the leader, the ruler, without being able to be swayed sexually by things. So, so in the scripture, in the Old Testament, there were there were rules and laws that anyone who was sexually misfigured could not enter the temple. This Ethiopian had come to Jerusalem to worship to come and hear about Yahweh. He had come at a holy time, and, and, and but of course he was not allowed to, to go into the temple. But then on his way home, he runs into somebody, and that somebody opens the scriptures to him. And this eunuch says, this one who's been sexually misfigured, who is, who is outside of the covenant, according to the, the law, He says, what is to stop me from being baptized right here? And Philip baptizes him right there. Right there. I mean, going against hundreds of years of of probably what Philip had been taught, what he knew. Jesus broke all that open. Understand, it is not, it is not about what, how we look. Sexual proclivities. God created each one of us in the likeness of God. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we have been set apart, made holy to be light and life. Be light and life in his name. We are to be the ones who are to call, invite people into this kind of relationship. I'll tell you, I was watching some of the videos yesterday, and you know, I was proud of my brother and sister clergy. Because what I saw them doing was linking arms, holding hands, silently witnessing praying and singing hymns. I did not see them shouting down people. I did not see them blocking the path of people. I saw them being a witness to the gospel by being present. And that was very powerful for me. It was very powerful for me. Because if we've learned anything at all in this country especially in the 60s and 70s about civil rights and about protesting and about all that is that violence, shouting, anger, doesn't change hearts and minds. It doesn't move the dial. It just creates more anger, more violence, more shouting. Because if I'm getting louder, you want to get louder than me. You want to drown me out. The hard work is in witnessing when, you, when things are being said that you completely disagree with. In witnessing and in sitting at the table with others who are different than you and seeking to create some form of, some form of understanding, some way forward. And I don't believe we create a way forward by demonizing whole classes and groups of people. God created humankind in God's image. We reflect the glory of God already, but our propensity for brokenness is deep. And we are called to invite others into this hope through our witness, not just silently courageously entering into proximity with people that we don't understand seeking to create dialogue, seeking to create movement (laughs) and then Paul writes here But how, how are they to call upon one in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that is our call today. As those who have been created in the image of God, as those who have been set free by the resurrection to live into the good news, we are to be the ones who are to proclaim that good news. To be part of a ministry of reconciliation, to be ambassadors of hope and of light and of love, and it is not going to be easy. Last week we baptized Riley right here in this space, and I, I, I said to her parents and I said to all of us, you know, this is a dangerous thing we're doing. We're committing her to a life of witnessing. We're committing her to a life of seeing things the way God sees it. And when God sees things like, like, like we were doing in Charlottesville, I think God cries. And yet God sees pockets of hope. God knows that there are hearts and minds that are, that are being changed by the witnessing of his faithful followers. Who say no to that, and who seek to move forward and to work for the healing of this nation and of all nations. And so we are called to speak, as hard as it may be. I have been humbled. By the grace of God that called me to speak. By the God who created me in God's image. By the God who gave his Son that I might be redeemed. That I might have this everlasting hope. That that I might trust in that redemption more than I trust in anything else. May you Be humbled, but may you find the Holy Spirit within you to give you a voice, to invite others into the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.